0: Welcome everybody to our second episode of Canucks and Pucks. As you guys can see, we got some camera footage this time, our budget went up a little bit, but it's uh, definitely been a minute since our first podcast and a lot's been going on in the hockey world since, uh, surrounding the Vancouver Canucks and just overall around the league and even with the PWHL and all that stuff. So with that said, let's not waste any more time, let's get right into it. What do you guys think about the Vancouver Canucks' performance against the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday, um, winning their fourth straight on the road? A lot of line kind of catching their groove, and the Canucks, you know, securing that second spot in the league and starting to kind of create a little bit of a gap with the other teams in the Pacific.
1: I think the Canucks wasted no time and got right to it in the game. Three goals in the first period, two goals by Besser. Was it? The lot of line just keeps on producing. I don't think that's stopping anytime soon. And then what else? The ending of the game, I think, could have been cleaned up a little bit. The Canucks, I think, there was a little bit of anxiousness where we had to have Demko kind of bail us out. And overall, I think, even at the ending, the third period and overtime, I feel like the refs were just... They were trying to help Pittsburgh win, straight up. Even in overtime, what was it? Pittsburgh had, like, a four on... They, they put four guys on the ice, and there was no penalty called. I think... Uh, The league needs to look into that. There's cheating happening against the Canucks. It's giving me 2011 vibes.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. Definitely strong start. The line came out flying again. Uh, of two quick goals in like a span of six minutes. Even though one came on the power play. And then uh, Petey finishing off the period with a tip in. Um, Third period, I agree, same thing. A little sloppy on our end too, but referees definitely weren't helping. Demko kept us in it. Made some nice saves. Um, That one on Crosby with that toe save was really, really nice. Um, obviously they ended up getting one before the period ended but uh, all that matters is we, we pulled it out in the end PD with his what, fourth straight game winning goal um, becomes the first NHL player to win four consecutive games on the road and uh, he's now tied for second I believe in uh, just winning consecutive games overall so it's pretty dope, pretty cool
2: I feel like this game was the perfect example of the saying that The two-goal lead is the worst lead in sports. Because, like, when you're up two, you feel like, oh, we're up two. It's, like, enough of a cushion. Then you give up one, and you're like, oh, shoot, we got to start, like, we got to either defend our lead or we got to go get another one. Most teams, as, like, we saw yesterday, most teams just be like, okay, we're just going to defend, defend, defend. If we get a chance, we'll take it. But a lot of times, it can... Backfire against you. And I feel like that's what happened to the Canucks yesterday. And like, it's just, you take your foot off the gas a little bit, and it'll just come back and bite you in the ass. And that's why I don't understand the concept of teams. Like, when they go up to and they just start defending, it makes no sense to me. Why don't you just start, keep playing the way that you were playing that got you in that position? Keep trying to add on to the lead. Obviously, you don't want to give up goals, but like you still gotta have some sort of offense.
1: I disagree with you there. I think yesterday the biggest turning point for Pittsburgh was when they took out Ndelkovich and put in uh, what's oh, yeah. his name, Tristan, Tristan Jari. Jari man. Tristan Jari. He came into the game. I think it was like yeah, the Canucks yeah. came out firing in the second period. I think. It's like seven straight saves, and then right after that, Crosby scores his goal, or some, something like that. He uh, robbed, or yeah, tippin. some some.
2: Rob Myers, he yeah. robbed. What was it, Blueger?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. that was a turning point. The I think the Canucks Canucks definitely gave it their bit, but in the third period, yeah, like the last ten minutes, I think they could have been more aggressive. And I think there. there's a lot of just standing around in the defensive zone. It was getting a little nervous, even as a fan. I think a lot of fans were saying that this was the most nervous game. Like just watching the team defend in the third and even going to overtime. But I feel like they did try things just the last, like just managing the game at the end and closing games out. Because especially with playoffs coming up, yeah. you don't want to get into that where you're yeah, not even sure.
2: looking to uh, let's go back a little bit to the New Jersey game. Even like, even then, just like giving up leads. I think against the Rangers,
0: it was kind of like that, but not really. No, they kept a lead in that one. It was like 4-1 at one point. Yeah. Yeah, so no, that one, they didn't blow anything. But Pittsburgh game, like, refs also played a huge factor. Like, yeah, like, we weren't defending the greatest, right? Like, you, you could tell something was building up. Like, it was just a matter of time a goal went in because, like, the way Demco was making those desperation saves. But multiple factors. Like, I don't think it was, like, the worst effort we've put out in the third this year. Like, we've definitely had worse collapses. But, yeah, no, they'll work towards it. Like, talkett has been talking about... Uh, like, even just playing a full 60, right, like, we're not always there, We sometimes we come out weak, right, and we have, like, a stronger second half, or sometimes we come out strong, and then we have a weaker second half, like, especially in the middle middle frame, so, yeah, I think it's good that they're working on it, and, like, it's definitely has it on his radar, the players definitely have it on their radar, too, so that's all that really matters, right, because playoffs are still, what, three months away, two and a half months away, so, not too, too worried, right, because good teams figure out what they're doing wrong, and then they, they fix it, so... Yeah, just excited to see how they fix it and what they do.
1: Yeah, I think there's that. There's also just general fatigue too. Yeah, still third game and four nights. They've been playing quite a bit.
2: Fatigue is definitely. I mean, three
0: games and four nights, and you're outscoring your opponents like what, seventeen to like something like that, or she could be off. They they
2: scored eleven in New York. Four last night on the back to back, Mm -hmm. and then they scored four yesterday. Fifteen to nine.
0: Fifteen to nine. Yeah, you up three every game fifty nine, and like three in, in a three and four that's insane, right? Considering that the fourth game is and what the
2: I, majority of that came from the Lotto line. Which oh yeah, it's uh, crazy to me. It's actually it's like it's insane their efficiency. It's, it's like a cheat ridiculous. code. It's
1: literally a power play when you put those three guys out and you have Hughes
0: Hronik on the back end. That's literally a power play unit. Oh yeah, and I think it's kind of kind of nice to like know that you know. He's like back in a way I guess right like there was all this like speculation around like how he's not 100% but I guess the issue just was that his line mates were kind of holding him back in a way like you put it on Kuzmenko and even Mikheyev a bit so it's <clears throat> it's nice to see that uh you know he can play to his full potential on the current roster but kind of creates a question with that second line now though
2: yeah there's a big hole in the middle right it's uh definitely going to be interesting
1: I mean Last time we were talking about a right and had a defenseman for the Canucks to target, but I think that kind of all goes out the door now. Okay. And it's like you try to look for a second-line center. Maybe somebody you don't need. What I personally think is you don't need somebody with too much offense. If you have a defensively responsible second-line center that can put up like 40, 50 points or so, yep. nothing insane like you don't need another Elias Pedersen, JT Miller. If you get one, perfect. If you get one for cheap, that's, you know, you'd love that. But you don't need that. Yeah. What I kind of feel like right now is the second line of, su- I don't know what you want to call the second line, but Suter, Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, that line has, like, no identity right now. Ghost. What are they? Ghost do, line. Do they kind of, They're you know, they're just, they're kind of like a neutral line. They don't score much. They don't the get scored on goes- much. They just
2: the new line is performing better than they are yeah. right now, low key.
1: And it's like if I was just thinking, like if you have the playoffs coming up, Pia Suter and what's his name, McKeough, they're both defensively responsible forwards. They're big members of our penalty kill, all that stuff. If you could get a second line center that's more defensively responsible, that focuses more on the defensive side, you could make that as your shutdown line. Yeah, when you go into the playoffs, you have that as a shutdown line that gives you the opportunity to keep letting the lotto line play. And if you want to switch it up, you can still do it, but it gives at least that line some identity, a role, sort of to play.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think there's been, like, a few names out there that have been thrown out. Um, We were talking about before, like, Eric Sinek. um, Novotrano was on there as well. Um, Trying to think of the other guys. There's Gensel, but, like, not a center, right? Um Zgris was in there as well for a bit but now he's out for 8 weeks. I don't, I don't think that's going to be on the I table think Knux saying would not. I don't like it. I, I hate him. Yeah, these um,
2: guys don't like Ziegers but I think it would be It's so not about it's not
0: watch. about
1: hating him. It's not that I hate him. It's just you know I think there could be a better fit out there rather than Trevor Zegris. And also it's not like he's going to come for cheap. I don't want to give up one of LeKaramaki or
0: Wheelander. For
1: Zegers. I just don't want
0: would rather get more of like a two-way guy. Like, he's like, he's good skill, right? But we don't really need it right now. Like, it wouldn't be a good fit. And like, I'm kind of like a torts guy on this one. I don't like him. I just don't like Zegers. Something about him.
1: I mean, Gers was saying that you can just teach him face-offs as if it's that easy. It's not that easy. You can just teach him face-offs and how to be defensively responsible. You can't do that, Gers. You can't.
0: Probably try to Michigan in the face off. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah. I mean, what a coach for, man? What face to teach them.
1: I mean, we're not
0: the greatest face off team out yeah, there, right? Like, we like, are uh, not. That, that's another I'm reason. Looking
2: at that, like our highest is uh, JT, I think.
0: Yeah, and like I think maybe Bluger or something. Yeah,
2: JT and Bluger. Even are... EP
0: can't bring in win a face off for his life. So, and he's always being shadowed. So. Uh, I don't think bringing in Zegers and teaching them how to do face-offs when you can't teach a guy like Pedersen how to do them would we're, be the greatest We're 20th solution.
1: in the league in face-offs. And that's brutal. That, that's what I mean. Like, If you look at some of the top teams, like the Devils are second, Rangers are third, Dallas is fifth, Toronto's sixth. Like, Especially when playoffs come around, you want to be able to win those face-offs and keep possession. Yeah. If you have a good shift, like say the Garland line has such a good shift because that's what they've been doing. And goalie covers it. You want to still retain possession through that faceoff. You lose possession, you kind of just the play dies right there. It's done. Like the momentum that you had, and you need to keep that going. I feel like that's another reason why I'm more so like leaning towards like I don't I don't want somebody that's completely defensive, but like a more defensive, responsible second line center. Yeah. Like Eric Senek would be the dream there. I don't know what it would cost to get him because he signed on a really good contract for a term. I, The first would obviously be involved. I don't know what assets beyond that. I feel like Minnesota would ask for LeCarramacki or Wheelander, but I'm not doing that. I think those two should be untouchable. If you want to keep this window going, you need to have those young guys on cheap contracts coming in and filling those roles, especially with the OEL buyout coming in a couple of years where it's like four and a half million or something like that. Hmm.
0: I heard on well not heard, I saw on Twitter that well said that Canucks will be willing to move uh Hoglander if needed. So I think in that situation, in the Eric Erickson X situation, I think I'm okay with that. Right? Like same thing as what Bud said. It's like I don't want to move Lekromeki or Wheelander. It's important to have those young guys that are in the system keep them, kind of build that farm up, and, like, you know, have them ready to go when we do run into some salary issues, and it's elite talent, man, like, Lekromacki, like, if anybody peeked in on the World Juniors, you can, you know what that guy can do, right, he's insane, and Wielander, like, he might not be putting up, like, crazy points, right, he's not, like, an offensive defenseman, you're not gonna get a Quinn Hughes in that guy, right, but he's so defensively sound, he does such a good job of driving guys to the outside, and, that's stuff this team needs. And then if you already have it, there's no point of throwing it away. But guys like Hoglander, Kuzmenko, the first, I would even consider Pod Kulzin maybe, right? Like maybe even I'd rather trade over Holden, 100%. I still
2: believe in over Hoglander.
1: 100%. I still believe in Pod Kulzin. I don't know. I feel like once that guy gets it together, he's starting to build that confidence in Abbotsford. Like once he gets it together, that's going to be a very rare type of player that teams are gonna be like wishing they had i don't know i feel like that fit would be amazing especially with rick talkett i feel like that's exactly a talkett player
0: i, I agree and with that said because he's putting up points in the hl right now right and it's not the same level but Going back to last year, like, I remember going down to Abbey and, like, we saw Hoglander play and he was dominating, right, all over the ice. You can see he's he's making an impact and I'm kind of starting to see Pod Colson progress in that same direction. Right, he's scoring consistently, right, he's making big plays. With that happening, kind of seeing him going on that same trend, with him being able to reach that same potential that Hoglander has reached, are you more inclined to move Hoglander out? I... If I were to pick from one of those two,
1: I would move Hoglander. I just really believe in pod Colson the way he plays. He's been more aggressive this year too, even though he had that injury. I kind of thought that after the injury he would have you know backed off a little, mm-hmm. but was in like the end of December he had one game we had ten shots in the game, yeah, that's something I think would be really nice to like you know have on our main team where a guy that just gets pucks on net, yeah, which is something that. Sometimes we're not the best at We don't take a lot of shots. And I don't know. I feel like the fit there too, especially with the coach, I think I would pick Pod Colson. Obviously, there's a risk there. With Hoglander, even he's still developing, but I guess you have more of a better idea of what type of player he is. He's an amazing player. I love watching both of them play. But I don't know. I'd, I still really believe in Pod Colson.
0: Two questions, okay? So let's hear your guys' best offer to Minnesota. Right. Who are you sending over for Ericsson Okay, And by chance, if Hoglander's in this deal, who are you calling up from the AHL? I know I have my answers, but I kind of want to hear what you guys have to say, and I'll pitch in after that. Gersh, um, go first. You I go, go first? first? Yeah, Gersh, let's, Kirsh, let's hear right. what you got to say.
2: Ericsson Ek? Okay, I feel like the first has to be in play. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a toss up between Hoglander and Pod Colson. It's whoever they want to trade, that person will be in the deal. And let's say it's Hoglander. then you call up Podkulzen. If it's Podkulzen, then you don't really need to call anybody up. But if you, let's say you give up Kuzmenko too, then you obviously have to call somebody up. I would give Baines a chance, Arshtip. I would definitely give him a chance. He's been very good over in the A this year, so. Uh, that's my call-up option.
1: Wait, what's your package? What's your final package? One of
0: Hoglander or No, Pod my Kolden. package
2: is either Hoglander or Podkolzin. One of those guys, Kuzmenko, and a first. I
0: don't know if that gets it done. I think I think you need a bit more, just a bit more. I
1: I what I would kind of I was kind of on that <laughs> same-ish track. Yeah. What I feel like another piece you'd need there is like Ratu. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ratu, a first, Hoglander, Kuzmenko. I feel like just because he signed be for... hesitant, though. I, we don't have it, much center depth in our system. He signed for, what, one five more years at 5.25 million. That's a steal of a contract for a guy like Ericssonek. Yeah. Where you, like, with <laughs> Ratu, I think, I still think he can become a third-line center, especially this year he started putting up points mm-hmm. and stuff. But with Ericssonek, you're getting a verified product right there where you know what you're getting. And you know you're getting him for cheap and in his prime. And he sort of goes with the core of this team. I feel like that kind of pushes the needle. And I don't know. I feel like that'd be a trade I'd. I'd it'd be hard saying no to getting Eriksenak on this team.
0: It'd be really hard. Yeah.
2: He would definitely be a perfect fit
0: for these guys. 100%. I don't know if I want to give up all those guys, but, like, at the same time, like, you might have to, right? Like, Kuzmenko, Hoglander, and Ratu, and a first, like, sounds like a lot, but, like you said, like, <clears throat> he's on a good contract. A young guy, he produces, right? He's exactly what we need. He'd be that perfect fit. So, if that perfect fit can come in and take you to where you need to get to, then you make that trade.
2: Who's if... to say Minnesota will even
0: do this? That That's
1: also true. It's just... Half of Canucks speculation just
0: random names being thrown out, but
2: yeah. Fans. Like, why would Minnesota do this? He's the perfect player for them too. Like, but to know. be fair,
0: Elvin's done a pretty good job of pulling guys out that you would have never thought teams would give up, right? Like, who would have thought that like a guy like Horonic would be just like boom gone, like. And, like, even other trades he's made. Like, you don't expect those guys to end up in Vancouver and somehow they find their way here. I think Alvin knows his way around the league. And if he has a guy on his radar, he will do anything to go get him. right? And he'll do it in a way where it'll, it'll shock you, right? Like, he might not give up as much as we're thinking of giving up. Like, who knows? Where if he goes Kuzmenko, Hoglander in the first and, like, maybe, like, another pick. But going back to, like, the original thing, yeah, for me, like, I, I'd move Hoglander. Um, the guy I would want to bring up from the HL is Baines hundred percent like um huge accomplishment for him he made the hl all-star game uh representing Surrey, our hometown and uh the south asian community which is you know it's kind of a proud moment for us but definitely would be kind of cool to see a guy like him especially like similar age to us right like making it to the league and especially during a time where the team is so good like, like Buddy's living our dream, right? Like <laughs> playing for basically every every kid
1: that played ball hockey dreamed of being R. Baines and What he's doing, hundred oh, percent, right? Oh, 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 on a good
0: Canucks team playing in the in the NHL, on a potential Stanley Cup run, right? Like it's kind of cool to see, right? Somebody doing it.
1: I I really like the way Steve plays everything, but I, I just what I think is that if that trade does happen, I don't see them calling him up, just mm-hmm. because I feel like if let's say. Let's say Hoglander, Kuzmenko are the guys that go out from the main roster, right? Yeah. Eric Sinek comes back as one piece. Uh, PDG's uh, scratch right now. Mm-hmm. He'll probably come into the lineup. I feel like they probably want to let Baines just stay down there this yeah. year, sort of develop, keep it going. And then next year, when I feel like there's going to be a few holes in this lineup, that's when they expect Pod in and Baines, maybe possibly Ratu like competing for spots, Lekker Maki competing for spots, and maybe, who knows, who else they signed in the offseason, some random guy that turns out to be the next Dakota Joshua or something.
0: Yeah, no.
2: Speaking of Joshua, this is like kind of just a thought. He's a UFA, right? Would you move him now, or would you
1: just wait? No. I feel like right now the Canucks are so lucky that everybody's clicking at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. You kind of let it just happen. You let just it see right Just out. see what happens. You never know. You could pull a 2019 blues where everything just clicks for you at one instance. 100%. Well, like, I feel
2: like that guy, his value is so high. You could easily get something and flip it for a similar guy who might have a little
1: more term or something. But if you look at it right now, do you want to risk that when our secondary scoring, like Kuzmenko, Mikheyev aren't really scoring. Pia Suter, he's trying, but he's not really scoring that much the only real producers outside of the lotto line is the Joshua Garland Blueger line the lifeline
0: that's what i like calling them the lifeline anyways pick your conversation back up
1: yeah i mean, i think they're the only line that's really producing other than the lotto line so i would personally not risk it at all especially mm-hmm. when we've gotten this far with this team i think you got some good chemistry maybe like one or two guys can get traded you know to get like a bigger piece But I don't see trading Joshua and how it benefits this team. Especially with, like, getting UFAs over, re-signing guys. What kind of, like, especially with Pedersen, what kind of message are you sending him when it's like, hey, one of the best players from that line, we're going to trade him away right now. Yeah. I think it's going to send the wrong sort of message to him.
0: And, like, Dollywell, like, kind of spoke on this topic. He's like, what he thinks is, like, PD hasn't, like, picked his side yet like he hasn't told his agent like oh let's go work on it right and do i think he's gonna leave no i don't think there's a chance like i think he stays 100 but he's just like looking for that final reassurance right maybe he's waiting for the playoffs and i think as the as the canucks right like when all the cylinders are going at the same time you just stick to it and you just try to see how far you can go right like we don't, we don't know how early it's going to end or if we make it all the way, right? But you give it your best shot and you live with that, right? It wouldn't make sense to cut yourself short. I think you owe it to the players. <clears throat> you owe it to the team, right? You owe it to the fans to give it your best shot. So trading Joshua wouldn't make any sense in my head. I feel all. like
1: even with Pedersen right now, it's been so long since you've seen him celebrate like he did last oh, yeah. night. yeah, yeah. Like after he scored the overtime winner. He sort of, I feel like after the bubble, when people started criticizing him that, oh, he's playing bad because he's posting on Instagram too much or whatever like BS people are throwing around. After that, I feel like he's become a lot more reserved with the media, with fans, everything, which I, I kind of hate. I think that's, it, it makes no sense. There's no correlation between a guy posting on Instagram and how well he plays. That makes no sense in my brain. But I feel like he's been a lot more reserved. And then finally seeing him like, let that emotion out i feel like he's slow he's he really likes the team i don't think there's a doubt about that i think i i really believe that he will sign but i think it's nice to see that he sort of feels you know
0: able to show a little more emotion now i mean we're one of the toughest markets to play in Mm -hmm. like you just gotta go to twitter to be able to tell how toxic our community can be sometimes a couple of it's so up and down.
2: People are just like so reactionary to everything.
0: I mean, so some they're... guys don't even look at the positives. Like, you could win the cup and they're still going to cry about it. Yeah. Right? We I'm not going <laughs> to drop any names, right? But I think we all know who I'm talking about. Canucks
2: Twitter legend. Everyone should
1: know who it is. Yeah. I have to unfollow that Canucks Twitter legend. <laughs> Dude, it's, it it's, makes no sense. Okay, if you're going to like hate on the team. When they lose or whatever, you hate on everything. It's not even when they win or lose. If they win, it's like, oh, they're pretend, they're a pretender. They're not a contender, this, that, yeah. whatever. In all fairness, and then if they lose, it's like, see, I told you so. It's in like, all
2: fairness, this person, his mindset is long-term. He doesn't, he, that's thus He's thinking more long-term about everything. He's not enjoying the moment, but he's like, oh, okay. But down the line, this isn't sustainable. Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't enjoy the No moment. team's going to be a contender for head.
1: 10 years. No team out there is going to be a contender for 10 years. Exactly. And especially with the moves made in the last little bit. Yeah, yeah I was a little skeptical of Alvin guys too. When they first initially came in, I was like, okay, they're good. But then I think last year everybody had their questions, especially with the Bruce situation, everything. But when you see more of those trades that they've made, the Horvat trade, the Hironic trade, some of the signings, Joshua, Getbring and Cole, the Zadorov trade, all those things – We've never had this many wins from a management group, and since Gillis, yeah, bending was just a complete. You know, we don't, we don't remember that. <laughs> we don't talk about it. We don't remember it. Credit. But we haven't credit for what? Like, okay, yeah, you got Pedersen and Hughes, but Miller too. Yeah, but how many did we lose? A lot. Too many. Wait, Ma- imagine no, having sure. as much as I love Garland. Imagine having Dylan Gunther coming up right now. Yeah. Like, Dylan Gunther and the coming up.
2: I I mean, like and no better.
1: uh no buyout penalty for a washed up defenseman that should not be making eight million a year and is definitely not a number one defenseman yeah but i killing mean it. that, that just speaks to
0: like elvin guys then right like despite the situation that benning created look at like how they came in and they just reversed everything in like a year right which is like even i couldn't believe it like when i was seeing all this stuff going down and it's like going back to that whole like oh like some people thinking long-term, some people thinking short-term, like, yes, all the stuff that's happening right now happens so quick and it's going so well and it looks unsustainable, but it's like, you got to put a little bit of faith into the management group, right? Like if they came in, they said they're going to do XYZ and then they do XYZ and it's getting you results. What's there to make you doubt them, right? Like they're constantly finding these depth guys, right? They're making these big guy trades, right? Just... Put your faith in them, and when stuff doesn't go right, we'll talk about it then. Why be so negative the whole time? And with that said, another conversation that comes up a lot, and I know somebody wants to talk about it, was PDO. Um, What are your guys' thoughts on it? Because to be honest for me, I don't got too much of an opinion. Right? I just think, hey, man, we're playing good, we're playing good. Um, PDO to me doesn't really have any sort of influence, but I know you guys have some opinions, so let's, let's hear those maybe. First,
2: oh, shoot. Oh, he, we
0: all know what he's gonna say. He's gonna mirror that certain someone. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey,
2: hey, hey. I don't want to be the person you think I am, okay? But if you look at the like top five, PDO teams in history, mm-hmm. it's Gretzky. Basically, it's basically Gretzky, Gretzky, and then like Lemieux. And then the Islanders, like back then in eighty three, eighty four, like I don't know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I just I mean, all, I, so see,
1: all, all <laughs> I, I see all all I see is Gretzky won the cup both of those years. The Islanders made of the cup final. The Penguins made of the Eastern Conference Finals game seven. So winning the Stanley Cup, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, like you, you know. If you base
2: it on that, the NHL has a long history, right? Yeah. And um, the fact that we're in the top five shows you how rare getting like this this PDO is. Right? Here's an,
1: this kind of relates to PDO. Here's an interesting analysis I saw from Ray Ferraro today. He's talking about like how the Canucks have like a really high shooting percentage, and he's like, I don't really blame it on. I'm paraphrasing right now. I could be like messing up some words, but sort of the idea that. Part of the reason why the Canucks shooting percentage is so good is because they're not taking shots for the sake of taking shots. Oh, yeah, he's not that in the game yesterday. Yeah, something like that. that. He's saying that they're not taking shots just to take shots. They're being selective with it. Like, if there's not going to be a chance, that's why you see a lot of our, like, even zone time. You see the guys just cycling the puck around waiting for a chance rather than just shooting it for the sake of shooting it. And I feel like that does play into it because then that makes our shooting percentage go up.
2: I'm gonna give it a very weird analogy because you guys don't really watch soccer, but um, it's like it's like Pep Guardiola and City. They don't. It's soccer. Oh yeah. It's soccer. But, yeah, Ronaldo, but, Messi. But but but, but they only did. take really high percentage shots. If not, they pass the ball around. Mm. It's the same thing as the Canucks. Like if they don't have a shot that they really like, are confident in taking, they'll just pass the puck around. It's the same type of thing. Different sport, but it's the same like concept, and if there, that makes sense.
1: I, I, I That does make sense. Like, I, I see I see what you're going with. It. I don't know what, who you're talking about. Yeah, like, me neither. That kind of just greatest went, soccer whoosh.
2: team of all time, Manchester Yeah, say.
1: yeah, totally. Vancouver White Cup school. I'm but,
2: also a White Cup season ticket holder. Come nobody, team, cares. 241. nobody cares.
1: Nobody cares. Nobody cares. We're talking about the Canucks Messi. here. Come on. I'll be back. Saying,
2: I'll be seeing Messi, don't
1: worry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, I I get what you mean. Like they are they're just cycling it again to get the to get better chances. But one guy that I think isn't doing that and is just in a very shoot first mindset, which I don't blame, is Quinn Hughes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I see, like obviously Quinn Hughes is having a historic season. I'm a huge Hughes fan. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. But the one thing that I think he can improve on, he leads the league in the amount of shots that he's taken that have been blocked.
0: Yeah,
1: he's he's like I think last number check is like one twenty three or something, Some, oh, wow. something around that range. So, I think I could be totally wrong there. Don't quote me on it. But that's from my memory. i searching it up at like five in the morning. But nice. they he he gets a lot of his shots blocked. I feel like if he sort of you know. Yes, be aggressive, but maybe just take that extra maybe second half second because he's really good with – his skating is second to none. He's amazing. He's an amazing skater. I like if he starts doing more of that, we could get more shots on net. Just, you know, I feel like that's one area in his game that could be improved a little
0: bit. I think, I think he'll can, definitely take note, like, for how intentive he is to his game and, like, how much he's, like, willing he'll to He'll take improve. note to the okay, Nucks so and Pucks Quinn podcast. Hughes, 100%.
2: Quinn Hughes' shooting shooting percentage is 10.9%. That's his true. shooting percentage on unblocked shots is 7.5 percent yeah mm. so like like that's a pretty big chunk of shots that are getting blocked
0: um, he'll find a way though but like, he'll find a way to fix it like might not happen this season right but he'll do
2: 172 shot accounts 101 Damn. have been on goal
0: yeah so maybe i was right around
1: 120 something
2: yeah
0: well I mean, we got the complete opposite on our team too we got the guy that takes the least amount of shots but has, like, one of the highest shooting percentages in the league. I think Besser's, like, second or something. Around, like, 27%. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. It's kind of weird having yeah, those two ends. Yeah. PDO, like, the, what's what's the final statement here?
1: I, I think PDO, yeah, you kind of look at it, but it's not the only thing you look at. You kind of have to do the eyeball test, too, like, the rangers game you could be like oh pdo so high in that Mm -hmm. game but if you watch the game that was pure domination exactly islanders game same
0: thing again i think canucks fans especially this season because of how big of a turnaround we have we have like anti-success syndrome i think there's a few people that have that just completely fully like
1: no matter what the canucks are terrible they should be terrible Mm -hmm. there's no way they but for other fans i feel like even for us the first like 10 15 games I was like okay is this for real or is this
0: not mm, and I feel yeah. like you start looking We're into those stats the year, man. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, I mean it's, it's, have it's you it's
0: decided real now. have you decided if they're a contender yet because I know you're supposed to do that Christmas but you never talked about yeah, that. yeah first you said Thanksgiving
1: American Thanksgiving then yeah. Christmas then the new year
2: okay I I made my decision they are a true contender this year
0: let's go a round of applause for Davidvic yeah. maybe. <laughs> no. no no he's, he's a,
2: definitely a top five team in the nhl he's a hater yeah he's definitely year, a hater this year they are a top five team in the league
0: you should do a podcast with Dranter. i think you guys do well
1: jt miller shooting percent is 20.9 mm-hmm. percent
2: best is like 23.7 or something like
1: that dakota joshua 23.4 mark friedman it's oh, all unreal. inflated Jack Stadnika, 25%.
2: I just found that funny. Like, I know Friedman hasn't played much, but his shooting percentage is zero.
1: <laughs> I mean, he hasn't scored a goal. You can't really, you know? Come on, Gers. It's mad. Yeah, but
2: like, it's shooting percentage, bro. You gotta get something on net.
1: Do you understand? Do you even know what shooting percentage is?
2: Or like something I don't think
1: you understand net. it. Oh my god, this guy doesn't even know what he's what? talking about. Shooting percentage is the amount of shots you take that turn into goals. Yeah, that actually went on net, right? No, that no, became that goals. Was, I
2: thought it was the shots that you take that go to. No, net. shooting
1: percentage is the amount of shots you take that become goals. Just attempted shots. So, no, if you take if you take five shots in a game. Yes. And one shot goes in the net, yes. becomes a goal. Yes. Your shooting percentage is 20%.
0: Yes, but, but what if oh the shots oh get shit. blocked? Do they? That doesn't it? count as a shot. Okay, so their shots on target. Yeah. Uh, in okay, relation I, to how I, many I, women. I yeah. So yeah oh my God, about.
1: this guy doesn't know what he's talking about.
2: Hey man, Sookman didn't know either. Okay? No, no, no. I was
0: just clarifying. I knew what I was saying. Okay, okay. I did not know that. Oh my okay. God, these guys. No, it's different in start every. Start a sport. podcast. <laughs> they don't even know what shooting okay, okay, percentage okay, is.
2: It's different in every sport. Scrap the shooting
0: percentage idea.
1: Well, okay. What do you mean is different in every sport? In basketball, what's shooting percentage? The amount of shots you take that go in the
0: bucket. Well, no, air balls will count as a miss.
1: Well, whatever, but the like, principle is the same.
0: No, because if you miss a shot, no, the princ- it hits the boards, it's not the same The
1: thing. principle is the same, though. Like, with Ger saying, like, oh, I thought it's the amount of shots that hit the net. The principle is still the same. The amount of well, basketball yeah, 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 shots like, that like, go in like, the net. Like, like, sure, yeah.
2: Okay, that was just a... Uh... Okay, let's flip the topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no,
1: that's just funny. Like you don't even
0: know shooting percentages. Bro. Yeah. yeah hockey that, that, was a, that was bad by me. Okay. Okay. What do you guys think about? Um, we talked about this on this last podcast. Um, I talked about how I thought LA would drop, and two weeks later, LA is only three points ahead of the Edmonton Oilers with the same number of games played. Edmonton's now creeping up on them, and uh, behind them we got Seattle tied for points with uh, Edmonton as well, but they have four more games played. So what do you guys think? Who falls? Uh, who gets in? Um, so yeah, talking about what I was talking about before, um, we talked about this on, this on the last podcast, and I talked about how I thought LA would drop, and two weeks later now, Edmonton is creeping up on them, only three points behind, with the same number of games played, Seattle also sits three points behind, but they have four more games played. Right? And Vegas has been on a little bit of a, a little bit of a down streak. So, what do you guys think? Who gets pushed out? Right? Who moves in? I know with Vegas that they're dealing with an injury bug right now. Like they have three goalies out or something right now. Like their starter, backup, and even like the backups backup is out. Um, I know Stone got hurt. Eichel got hurt. So, what's happening? shay theodore Uh, theodore is out too yeah so with that happening does vegas drop out of a spot um la seems more likely right now and edmonton's on a little bit of a hot run but i know i saw this thing the other day too i think when you guys sent it in the teams that edmonton's been playing as of late majority of them are below 500 so there's a lot going on right injuries hot streaks uh Teams not playing too well. Like, who makes it and who doesn't? What's your guys' like end of the season, like final prediction type thing?
1: I think the four teams that make it from the Pacific, I think there's gonna be four teams that make it. I think it'll be the Canucks, Vegas, LA, and Edmonton in no order. That's not in the order, I think, but just those four teams with Vegas. I know you've been talking a lot about like, yo, Vegas is gonna drop out, but I feel like. It's hard to just look at one point of the season and expect that. There's still half a season left. Mm-hmm. With Vegas, they have so many injuries right now. The last thing I would want is Vegas drops to a wild card position. And let's say we win the division, and then we have to face Vegas when they're healthy in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's a tough, that's a really tough out. They're, they'd probably still be the favorites, not going to lie. I still do think Vegas is a really well-rounded team. They've only lost one guy from their cup run and they they're a good team. They only lost Riley Smith, I think it was. Yeah. So, that's a team I'm genuinely I think they can they still have it in them to make another run. With LA, they even they've had like Victor Arvidson out, I think he's out to like February or something. But I feel like LA they can still get it back. Dubois just kind of I don't know what he's been doing, but he's
2: Winnipeg with the fleece of the oh yeah. year. Even Winnipeg
1: coming up, eh? Huh? Winnipeg's played so well lately.
2: Yeah, Winnipeg. Those Winnipeg. guys are
0: scary because Kyle Connor is not in the lineup right now, and they're, and weird. they're allowing like just over like a one goal a game in their last like twenty or thirty games or something like that. And it's like, wonder what that team's gonna look like when that guy's back, right? But that's more of like a third round issue, I guess. Yeah, if it gets there. Yeah, if, if, if it gets out that out far. But terms of Pacific. Just so say, You want to talk first about who you think is going to make it, or do you want me to add on?
2: I see Vegas dropping to a wild card, just based on the games played and how close like LA and um, Edmonton are, and how many injuries they have. Obviously, like there comes a time, like the, a point where you can't overcome every injury that you have, right? Um are three and eight in their last eleven games. Edmonton's on a nine game win streak like the tides are shifting in completely different directions so I can easily see Edmonton just climbing all the way up to like a two or three spot and Vegas going down to the first wild card seed um it all depends though on how long some of these guys are going to be out
1: then do you think la stays in the top three in the Pacific so here I, I think they will
0: This is where I'm going to pitch, and I'm going to take the wild take, right? I know this is going to sound crazy, but despite the injury thing, despite the whole, like, Edmonton playing, like, below 500 teams, this is my take. Vancouver wins the division. Edmonton ends up at second, Vegas at third, and I actually see LA dropping out of the playoffs, and Seattle's going to sneak in. That is my prediction. I know it's completely off a limb, and it doesn't seem like it's super realistic right now. It's just a complete gut feeling. Alright, and last podcast that's kinda of what I went off of and two weeks later it's kinda of trending that way now. So I just want to be able to say I was right if it happens. So that's that's my prediction. Ooh,
2: there's uh there's definitely a lot of time left, buddy. I wouldn't well, yeah, half, a season, half the break, yeah.
0: Half a season,
1: but I I feel like LA might drop out, man. Uh, I, with would Gers like if you I guess what you're saying is like between Vegas and LA you have more confidence in LA staying. It just depends on how long some of these guys are out for Vegas, but especially the goaltending. I understand that, but even what was the last night, Vegas beat Boston two one in overtime. Like yeah. they're still a really good team. Yeah, and I do think because if you're talking about but like even Vegas,
2: even Chicago wins games too. Like. <laughs>
1: There's a difference between Chicago and well, Vegas,
2: obviously. But you know what I mean, like you know, it's like shooting percentage. So There's long, a difference. It's so long. There's term, a difference between what shooting like,
1: percentage is and what it isn't. You know, no, what I'm what Vegas is and is, Chicago is
2: like you can win games with injuries, obviously, but eventually those injuries will catch up to you.
1: I get that, but your whole argument was like Vegas is three and eight in their last eleven, right? LA has two wins in their last ten games. Yeah, and they have no injuries, rather than like Victor Arvidsson. Yeah, that's an injury, but
2: yeah, but like I feel like LA is more likely to turn it around, and they also have five, four games in hand.
1: Uh, I feel like Vegas is one team you just can't count out. I'm I I'm not counting them out.
2: I'm just saying they won't. Finish you are. You top said three. they're not going to make it. No, I'm just saying they won't finish top three. I'm not saying they won't. They're
1: up on. They're up on LA by what? Like five points. Five, five points, points, and they have four games and. Uh,
2: yeah, four games in hand. I don't see
0: Vegas dropping up. I think
2: it's either LA or Edmonton. Well, with, one of those two teams is gonna catch him. I with, guarantee you. with LA
0: though, it's like I feel like the biggest factor is gonna be Perkunov. Yeah, like, like if he picks it up, my prediction is going completely down the drain, and LA would most likely finish top three. But right now, that guy is like the biggest reason, in my opinion, why that team isn't playing too well. He's getting outproduced by goddamn Teddy Bluger. I think Bluger has, like, 10 less games, but has the same amount of points. And that guy's a third-line center. Like, come on, man. Like, you got to be doing a lot more if you're in his position. So, if he keeps it up the way he is playing now, I think LA drops out. And to be honest, like, considering his history, like, what he did back in, like, Columbus and all that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pick it up. I'm just kind of, like, bargaining on the fact that Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to... Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm bargaining on the fact that he's not going to pick it up, and then that's going to be the leading cause why LA drops out. Unless, like, LA goes off on a limb and just, like, makes, like, some big trade at the deadline. But it's like, who do you move? Like, you can't probably, you probably can't get him out, right? His value's, like, at an all time low right now. So, I don't know. I feel like after deadline, though, we'll all have a way better idea, because then, like, you have, like, your permanent rosters and all that. But right now, based on what's going on right now, current events, it's like, I think LA drops. Yeah. Okay, it's, so I
2: said Vegas drops to a wild card. You said LA drops to a wild card or out? Drops,
0: drops out off. and Seattle takes their spot.
2: Okay, so they're just yeah. not going to make the playoffs. No,
0: they don't make the playoffs. Okay,
2: Anger Bodge said
1: what?
0: Canucks, Vegas, no, LA, can.
1: and Edmonton. So they all basically make the, playoffs. the way it is right now. The way it is. I yeah. think all those, the order might get like mixed up, but I think all four of those teams make it. I feel like Seattle, as good as they are, that run, I do believe. No, Seattle
2: Seattle's going to fall. I, 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 I'll bet anything on that. Let's make a bet. Well Let's through. make
1: a
0: bet right now. I got them going in the playoffs. What's the bet? No, this is,
1: we can't do bets on live, guys. Come on.
0: We do not endorse gambling. But, hey, we're finally, um, uh,
1: yeah, coming back to that, like, even with uh, the division, we're finally getting the respect we deserve, at least. ESPN, uh, today, they released their power rankings, and we're second finally about time jets are first which yeah as much as we all love demko hellebuck's winning the best now there's no other way
0: yeah i don't think there's a really argument if they continue on this
1: way i wouldn't be surprised with hellebuck being in the heart trophy conversation Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. right Right now
0: now, those two vegas and winnipeg really scare me like i know we had this conversation yesterday off off the podcast like yes there are other good teams in the west and honestly anyone can win it outside of maybe like a handful of them but winnipeg, winnipeg and vegas are the ones that really really scare me like if we have to face off against them like i genuinely believe we can't beat them colorado too for me especially with them
1: now there's reports that landis Cog might be ready for the playoffs oh what I didn't yeah I never saw that. yeah he started skating there's no like timetable on his return but they're hopeful that he comes back for them Anytime you have like McCar, McKinnon, Ranton, and all those guys, that's scary. Yeah, that's that's a really.
2: Colorado's still the best team in the West for me. They always will be.
1: They, I I do believe they're, actually uh, the best, but definitely one of the. When when yeah. completely healthy, I think I give the edge to Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that's. True. But it's it's a close one too, yeah.
0: very close, but uh, yeah. The okay.
2: goaltending like, takes, uh,
0: like. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah, but that's another thing, right? Georgia has been horrible this year. Oh, that's, that's what they got down there, right? Georgia, yeah. He's been like, it's like 800 something, like, safe percentage, but, like, he has, like, the most wins at one point. So, that can always be a huge role because a goalie can make or break a team. But... That's a hell of a buck, especially if
1: Winnipeg can keep it up. That's yeah. sort of the way they're winning right now. They're just not letting like, yeah. other teams score goals. Yeah. And if they continue that, that's scary. Okay, so that's been
0: quite a lot of Canucks talk. Let's kind of expand out to the league a couple things um we'll touch upon both of them uh,
1: let me go back to one other canucks thing that i i thought
0: that was interesting sure sure i feel like this
1: prospect doesn't get enough credit or maybe some people don't even know enough about him but max sasson i don't know if you guys remember him yeah i do Mm -hmm. they uh signed him last year i think from college which This management group has amazing relationships in college hockey where they're able to get those guys over and sign them. That's a really intriguing prospect for me. He's twenty three years old, he's a left handed center, and right now he has the same exact stat line as Pod Colson. It's ten goals, eight assists, eighteen points and twenty four games for Mm -hmm. both of them. Oh wow. And I feel like that's one guy nobody I don't see anybody talking about him as a possible guy that comes up or something, anything.
0: Uh, This is the first time I'm hearing about him in a while. Yeah,
1: it has
2: been a while.
1: I don't know. Last year we went to the Abbey Canucks playoff game. I think he scored. He did. I think he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a really intriguing prospect as well. Like, it's kudos to them again. It's going to be like in a month or so, we'll probably find out more college targets that the Canucks are going to target because I expect them again to really use that as a way to – like stock up the prospect shelves but that's a prospect that i just thought like kind of stood out to me like hey kind of you didn't really expect that from him
0: yeah especially because a lot of people think we only think short term um i think yeah that's cool man i didn't i didn't know about that um the fact that we got that in the system that's kind of cool uh, i don't got too much to talk about it because i don't really know much yes, about the yeah. guy but uh no it's nice always good especially down the middle like you can never have enough centers centers and right hand defensemen the most valuable pieces a team can have but uh yeah you guys open to talking about other topics now around the league yeah we're good to go okay so there's two that i got on my mind uh one's definitely a little bit more laid back i guess a little one's a little bit more controversial but first is the pwhl right what are your guys thoughts on that i think it's pretty dope there's some things that they're doing in their league that I think could be cool to see in the NHL. Not, I'm not too sure about it, right? Like, I like how when you score on the penalty kill, the power play for the opposing team ends. Um, there's a few more. The other
1: thing was uh, the point system. Right? Oh, yeah, the 3-2-1-0
0: point system, yeah. Um, Would have been amazing for us this year. Um, we'd definitely be leading by a huge margin if we had that system. But, yeah, that was another one. And then... So that's the first topic, and I think we'll dive into that one a little bit earlier. And then the second, the second one is the Carter Goche situation. Um, stuff going down in Philly, huge, huge stuff going around. Like, there's torts getting involved, there's the whole thing with Hayes. Um, kind of a mess, not going to lie. But before we get into that, because that one does get a little bit more, gets a little bit more controversial. So how about PWHL? What do you guys think about it?
1: That's amazing that they, I guess, kind of finally got that stability there. Mm -hmm. for women's hockey and whatnot. And I guess some that is some part of the intrigue for like general hockey fans too. Like, okay, there's a couple, I'd say, minor rule changes, but they do affect the game a lot. Like the shorthanded goal situation, like Mm -hmm. that ends the penalty. That's quite interesting. And I don't know if the NHL adopts it, but depending on the success, maybe they bring it to the AHL to see how it works out or something, like something works like that. The point system is quite interesting. I, as much as I love it, I don't think the NHL will do it just because historically the way the league sort of been, they're very reluctant to change those type of things. Yeah. With even like after tiebreakers, finally when they brought in the shootout, since then they don't, they keep trying to get away from the shootout with like three on three, so that more goals happen in overtime rather than shootouts. But they will not change the point system. Like, yeah. And I, I just feel like. That won't get changed, but I do think it's a really cool thing, like having the point system like that. Yeah, especially because I guess not many people really like the loser point. Mm. I think there's a lot of teams where that does affect them, where some other team just has a bunch of loser points and they are ahead of them in the standings.
0: Xavier, what's your take?
2: Okay, I'm gonna be completely honest here. I haven't been um, up to date on the PWHL and what what's all going on. The only thing I've seen is that, um, what's it called? Like, I saw the stands in a couple of those games, and it was pretty full. Granted, it's a smaller arena, but still, the fact that people are willing to go and watch these games, it's good for the women's game. The, um, it'll, that just means, like, people are willing to watch it. It'll grow quickly. More money will be invested into it. It'll just take off. In like a few years. But in terms of uh, the point system and all that, just clarify this with me since I don't really know. Um, so it's three points for a win,
1: right? Three, three points if you win in uh, regulation. regulation. Two
2: if you win in uh, overtime?
0: Or shootout, yeah.
2: Or shootout. And then one if you lose in overtime or shootout?
1: And yeah.
0: Zero if you lose in regulation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's, me it's, being yeah. of a
2: field hockey background, um, that's how our point system works. I love it. I think it's great. It's it, it. Obviously, the NHL won't do it. They very, very, very rarely ever change anything. But it's a it's honestly a really good point system. I like it a lot. So that's just my take on it.
0: Yeah. Um. With the league itself, like, yeah, I think you guys both mentioned it. Like, it's huge for women's hockey. It's huge for the game overall. Like. I think their marketing was actually pretty good. Like, when the league first started, like, it was kind of all over my feeds everywhere, and I actually tuned in to watch a few of the games. Didn't really sit down and watch the whole thing, but a few periods, and it's nice, man. Like, there's a lot of skill in in the women's side of things, and, like, it's fun to watch. Like, I know Mary-Philippe Glenn is, like, a big, big women's ice hockey player, especially for Canadians, so I tuned in for that Montreal game a bit, and, like, getting to see her was dope, right? Like, didn't really get to do that before. Um... Yeah, yeah, so I really like it. I really hope the league succeeds and the women's side of the game grows. Uh, it's good for everyone. And then in terms of the point system, the 3-2-1-0, like, like you guys said, like, will the NHL change it? No, right? Like, I'm equally as convinced they won't. Right? They could like keeping things the way they are. But uh, how do I feel about it? I think it's amazing because it really awards, like, not awards, rewards domination in a way. Like regulation wins are more impressive, I guess you could say. So with that, like it's rewarding towards that, but uh, that's as far as that goes. And then in terms of the penalty kill, uh, scoring and ending the power play, I'd be I'd be kind of uh, intrigued to see how that works in the NHL. Like I think bringing over to the HL testing it would be a good idea. I think uh, that's another thing that. It, like, it, like rewards, rewards that team for, you know, being out, uh, being able to go out there and uh, score a man down. But at the same, at the same time, time, like, I don't know. Will they do it? Probably not. And it's, like, sometimes it's dope to see, like, teams score multiple shorthanded goals on a single penalty kill. Like, that would definitely go out of the game, too, if you do that. So.
1: Shout out Tyler Mott. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bubble run. Yeah, exactly. Couple Tranjolo dancing.
1: Yeah. But I think, talking about, like, the marketing and stuff, the only one thing I'd say is... I wish the teens had names and, like, logos. Because mm-hmm. right now, it's just, like, Toronto or Montreal mm-hmm. or Minnesota or whatnot. Yeah. I wish they had, like, logos, names. I feel like that's just More another an step. Yeah. C- yeah. Creates a brand. And then another thing I think it's good that... because. Whenever there's like the Olympics or some like international event there's everybody always tunes into women's hockey. Mm-hmm. It's a huge thing. Like mm-hmm. I think all of us remember when Canada's down 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And then they hit uh, America hit the post and then Mary Foo Ful- uh, scores in overtime once they in 2014 2014 yeah. yeah. Like they there's always hype around that but they just hasn't they haven't been able to sustain it. But now it feels it seems like I think everywhere even the NHL supporting there's players supporting I correct me if I'm wrong, I think Patrice Bergeron was at one of the games too. Yeah, was, yeah. in Montreal game, I think.
0: And I think yeah, it's a good step forward. Yeah. Yeah, Poulain's fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like all of like women's like hockey growing up was like surrounded around her.
1: Mm-hmm. And Wickenizer. And Wickenizer, yeah. yeah. But Poulan's like always
0: scoring the gold medal, winning freaking goals, so that's always cool. Okay, we so. weren't even allowed to watch that
1: game in twenty fourteen. I remember elementary school dude i was in my
0: pe class i think i've told this story before i'm quickly just no, you know put it out there watch it. We, we, we were watching in class and like we're down uh 2-0 and like we go to pe class and we come back and the tv's still on and there's like on commercial break with the zamboni i'm like oh i thought the game ended like you know metal presentation and then they're just going into overtime and we're like wait what when did this happen and i still remember like it's lunchtime at this point. Everyone's gone out and it's, like, me and, like, two other students with my grade five teacher just watching on the laptop. And uh, Pulan scores, but our feed was, like, behind, like, 10 seconds. And the teacher next door just screams. And, uh, yeah, it like it's like a canon moment, right? like, watching that goal happen and, like, that whole sequence. But yeah. I remember for us, they, for some reason, they
1: stopped it after, like, the first couple of games. They're like, you can't watch games in class anymore. And then... The office would just do announcements like every goal, and then I remember there's like it's one nothing USA, it's two nothing USA. And then this one guy, like, because I used to be a big hockey guy, he's like, Hey man, I thought Canada was good at hockey and stuff. I was like, I just said, Oh, don't worry, we'll see what happens. Like, just you know, trying to get that topic done. I didn't really have any faith at that point, but then all of a sudden they're like, The game's going to overtime. I'm like, What? They just said there's like two minutes left in the game and whatnot, and then Canada wins. Yeah. I guess going off of that again, we just keep going on topics. International hockey. I want to see best on best international hockey. I agree. Before Crosby and Ovechkin, I already think we missed the chance, the whatever, 2022, I think it was Olympics. I already think we missed, that was the best chance we had to like see all that. And especially age-wise, because now we see like Ovechkin slowing down a little bit. Crosby just, he's Crosby.
2: He'll never slow down. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But Ovechkin has slowed down a little, like. I feel like that would have been the best, but I want to see that in the near future. I think Batman's talked a little bit about it. Yeah, about yeah, them he, doing the he World he talk, Cup of Hockey, whatnot. Talk about it the about winter some classic. Like,
2: yeah. Introducing some sort of international tournament. But I
1: just, I, I low key hate those like gimmicky teams that they make. As much as, as fun as it was, like the under, whatever. That was the awesome. Under, I loved it. The under 23 team, but it's not really a World Cup at that point. Like if you're having Team Europe, this, that, like. You look at the World Juniors. You have like teams like Czechia or whatnot, right? They have that whole. This is a different passion that they have when they play together. Mm-hmm. And if you just combine those teams like Czech Republic, Slovakia, whatnot, all those other teams, it does. It just becomes Team Europe. It's not really that same vibe. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Take them to the Olympics. Yeah, like Take with
1: like think about Latvia mm-hmm. against Canada in 2014. Like mm-hmm. they weren't some Team Europe. They were just Latvia themselves, and they almost beat Canada two mm-hmm. one
0: yeah it's like an intrinsic thing man playing for your country and playing with guys that like have that same passion it's like you can't get that anywhere else and especially
1: now other countries have caught up I'd say to some extent 100% like, countries like even Latvia they have 1.9 million people and they're able to ice out a decent team they're not obviously not the best but for 1.9 million population they're, they have really good teams yeah and I guess even like Czech Republic's taken a huge step Slovakia took a huge step with like Slavkovsky, I think, check all those guys, mm-hmm. or Nemec, or all, all of them, I don't know, something
0: like yeah. that. Yeah, um, just flipping it over now, uh, we're talking international, thinking World Juniors, uh, big name that's been in the league recently because of certain situations that uh, brought up before was Cutter Gauthier, um, not wanting to stay in Philly and then being traded to Anaheim for Jamie Drysdale in a second, um, I don't think the conversation is really going to be around the actual trade itself. I think value is fair, right? Good trade. Didn't see it coming, obviously. But I think both teams got what they wanted, right? I think despite the controversy around Gauthier, like, he's a good player, right? Uh, he adds to that Anaheim team, and uh, which is why maybe Zegers is now on that block, right? But uh, what you guys think about all the stuff that's, like, coming along with it, right? Like, all the rumors right like that whole relationship i know Briere went out and made comments about it um i think like, the owner came out and made comments about it too or something like that it's so, like it's just a mess and like there's a whole thing with like sean avery like mm-hmm. talking down on like the flyers organization and goji like in the video like it's just it's a bunch of Kevin messy Hayes, stuff all that stuff yeah, yeah it's messy stuff like like it's we can wrap it up in like one easy sentence. Like obviously, it's like not needed. But what's the fun in that? Um, so like let, let's get you guys' opinions. Like maybe like tackle it one by one. Like
2: so in terms of the trade, the values are fair. Obviously, I think Drysdale, even though he's been like injured a whole bunch, I think he's still gonna end up being a good top four guy. So that's it's fine for them. In terms of how Cutter. Like left it's one thing, like okay, I, I don't want to play here, right, whatever, you can force your way out, that's just like who cares like I don't think it's that big of a deal if a player doesn't want to play somewhere, but um all the things that came along with it, just like apparently he said something about Breer's son some stuff like that, like that's all unnecessary, but in terms of. Just wanting to leave and go play somewhere else like I won't play here I don't care it's happened in so many sports like if it happens in hockey it's just because it's so like doesn't happen that much that people are making such a big deal out of it but it happens in like other sports all the time so yeah that's where I am on it.
1: I don't think the whole him wanting a trade is a big thing there's so many players in hockey that want trades out it never becomes a huge issue I think it's more so the way he handled it. From, like, what we've heard, obviously, we're not in either organization. We don't know the nitty-gritty or whatever. But with the reports coming out that he just, even at the World Juniors, he just wouldn't meet with anybody from the Flyers organization. I think they said Patrick Sharp was there another. I think maybe Daniel Breer was there, too. Mm -hmm. And he just wouldn't meet with them, wouldn't communicate his, like, desire to leave or whatever. Like, I feel like that's a little, like, you know... It's a little misleading on his part, too, and I think there's a l- little bit of professionalism that should be there where it's like, okay, you don't want to be there. You don't want to go to that team. Just make it clear, clearly known to them. Don't avoid them in that sense because mm-hmm. at the end, it just makes him look bad. And the reports that he was saying, like, I was built to be a flyer, I was born to be a flyer, this, that. Yeah, at the and then, yeah, yeah like, and oh,
2: then, I grew up watching these guys, blah, blah, blah. It's but then cool. he's
1: also a Penguins fan that he said, That makes That's, no sense. Yeah. But I, I, was, I was listening to this uh, interview, I think Jeff Merica and uh, Danny Brier, And then Brier was saying, he's like, we had the sense that he already switched his mind once. We thought that, okay, we'll just have a talk with him and his family, and then he'll probably switch again or something. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, he said, if when you go from I was born to be a flyer to I don't want to play for this team. It's kind of like, okay, he'll probably just, you know, maybe there's some miscommunication, deal it, or whatever. Obviously, I don't think we're gonna find out what happened until like twenty years later or something. No, no. no. When some guy does like some futuristic podcast and You're reveals like, all the things. all
2: players be
0: doing these days. They have to be like an insider guy leaking yeah. stuff, but that's not coming out. Now. But
1: I think it was just, it was. I don't know. I I don't like the way Cutter handled the situation. From what we know, I don't like it. If you don't want to go there, you know, just make it known. You don't have to avoid guys from their management saying like this, that. Or just have your agent communicate that. That's what your agent's there for. Have your agent say clearly, hey, Cutter doesn't want to meet you guys. He wants to be traded. That's it. Done. Don't have to make it into such a big issue. But hey, good on the Flyers. They kept it very low key. They've known about this for months. They traded him at his highest trade value. I I do think, to some extent, I feel like they might have got the slight edge on the trade. Mm -hmm. Drysdale, if he pans out, right-handed defenseman, offensive-minded, that's a really rare piece. As we've seen from like the Canucks trying to get one mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you also get a second round pick for a winger that hasn't played in the NHL nothing yet. So I don't know. As much as Go- gochi it does have a lot of potential, I feel like
2: Essentially you're getting a first and a second round pick. Yeah.
1: I feel like Philadelphia did really well on that trade and mm-hmm. props to them.
0: Yeah. Um in terms of value, I agree. Like it's a good trade. I think uh and uh Philadelphia probably did get a little bit of an edge as well, I believe in that. Um, keeping it low key was also very impressive, right? Especially with things that can get a little bit more heated. Um, talking about Cutter himself, I think we all share the same opinion. Like, it is okay to not want to play somewhere, right? There's so many factors that go into playing at a certain in a certain city for a certain team, right? So we don't know why he doesn't want to be there, right? So it's okay to want to leave, but maintaining professionalism as a pro athlete, like you have a certain level of responsibility. Like, I understand you're young, right, and there's still maybe a lack of, like, maturity there, and you're still learning how to handle things, but doing something that is so far south, right, that, like, any reasonable person would understand it's like, you shouldn't be doing, it's kind of, like, it's, it's, it's disappointing to see, right, because the guy's talented, right, and he probably has a bright future in this league. But the way he treated the situation speaks a lot about his attitude, right? And it's it's going to change your opinion on the guy. Um, so it's going to
1: be his whole thing for his career now. He's going to be known as the guy that did that to Philly and yeah. decided to leave and force the situation. Mm-hmm. Philly like fans, Philly fans are not going to forget it. No, no at all. It's and, like that Lindros situation. Yeah, it's
2: like pulling a Lindros. hundred percent. It. It's
0: like a reverse Lindros in a way, though. Yeah. He let him. He let them draft him, and then he did it. But yeah, I think the reactions from like Brier was like completely reasonable towards everyone, like the owner. Reasonable, like obviously, you could sense a little bit of passive aggressiveness, but once again, maintaining that professionalism and getting your message across, right? I think they did completely fine on their end. Um, but yeah, let's let's see how it turns out in the long run. Um, I think uh,
1: Cutter now he's going to be in the same division as uh, Lecker Mackey for the hope maybe remainder of his career that's going to be an interesting
0: thing mm-hmm. yeah uh, leckermackie not-
1: having some beef with him.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah you guys that's, see that's that, that gonna uh be fun i think yeah. you guys see the world juniors like lineup i think that's what you guys were yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 they're like chirping the each other the whole game right the yeah. whole game they
2: were just chirping each other it was awesome it was uh, i love I that bite leckermackie in leckermackie in him, to yeah. be honest with you
0: yeah it's nice to see so he's got a different style got that
2: dog in him baby <laughs>
0: yeah
1: the dog, really. But uh, even uh, from the Philly situation, I love the way that Torts handled it too. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, you know, I don't really care about Cutter anymore. Let's talk about Jamie. He's coming into our lineup, this, that. No. And he even gave, like, Danny Brewer in the same interview He's was talking about. He's like, people just think that Torts is this, like, he hates young guys, this, that. He's like, he went to Jamie and he was fully like, you know, you ha- you're like a rover out there. You can do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. You're an offensive defenseman. You can... You don't play that way you don't have to like just change your whole game just because of the team or this that i think that kind of speaks to Torts sort of adapting to today's nhl too but even he's got his players box that hey because for jamie drysdale it's disappointing too it's like he it came out of nowhere for him he didn't even know
2: what about the whole like kevin hayes part of it
1: i think that was that was just a media guy trying to get some hits I'm, yeah, like, he The he, same, the he same way, at that reporter. Guy. It was the same way how some media guys tried getting just, you know, clicks with the Patterson to
0: Chicago to team up with William Nylander. That was ridiculous. <laughs> like... It's like me saying Sidney Crosby's coming to the Vancouver Canucks. Like, <laughs> hey, hey, he man, met up and talking it, after the game happen. yesterday.
2: It's gonna happen, trust me.
0: And like, as media guys, like you have a certain level of responsibility and like a certain level of professionalism you have to maintain. Like, obviously, like you want to get your name out there and all that stuff. But
1: I think we should start fake rumors.
0: Fake rumors. Fake rumors? Yeah. Okay. Short so
1: I heard. Boy, uh, prime time snoop. Hey, guys. Stop. Checking my phone here. Elliot Friedman just messaged me. That's your dumb cut to the Edmonton this for Connor uh, McDavid. He just said that uh look for Connor McDavid to one out. And uh Edmonton's interested in Mark Friedman. Mark Friedman. Mark Friedman for Connor McDavid. You heard it? According to Benning, he's a first line defenseman.
2: With a third round sweetener thrown in there? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. From Edmonton. From Edmonton, of course, yeah. yeah yeah um with that said is there anything else you guys want to talk about or we're looking good
2: i think we're good here man
0: we're good perfect okay well that is going to be all for our second episode of nux and pucks
2: first one with video first one with video and we hope
0: to continue to uh up our production and bring uh better better material out for you guys as we move along um please comment down below what you guys want us to talk about next for our next podcast episode and we hope to get it out to you guys as soon as possible.
1: Make sure to follow us on uh, Instagram, Nux and Pucks underscore. And on YouTube, Nux and Pucks. Uh, Twitter. Download on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Twitter, Nux and Pucks. We're going to start tweeting out more. Uh maybe we'll keep Gers away from the Twitter account once until he learns what shooting percentage is then we'll maybe give him access to it you know it's yeah that's just yeah. how it is
0: yeah. that is all thank you everybody for tuning in and until next time peace out